1: He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain.
0: Welcome to the show. Have you ever wondered why that pill you're taking for pain isn't really helping, or why it's causing side effects? Are you tired of the trial-and-error method of medication therapy? Well, the one-size-fits-all strategy for medicines is yielding to genetic profiling of a patient that predicts disease risk and drug response in a way that personalizes medicine. Treating chronic pain can be tough because the condition is complex and influenced by our genetic makeup as well as other physiological and psychological factors. Variations in our genetic material, like the DNA, can have profound effects on how drugs are metabolized and how diverse the response can be to pain medications from one person to another. On today's show, we'll explore pharmacogenetic testing. The word itself can be intimidating. But here's the concept. Pharmacogenetics relates to the way genetic differences between people influence a person's response to drugs and how those drugs are processed in the body. It's all about the way our genes influence our response to drugs. Pharmacogenetic testing provides information about variations in these genes and how these variations alter the way enzymes metabolize medicines. Having this knowledge can enable doctors to understand why patients respond differently to various drugs and make better decisions about therapy. Our first guest is Mary Dugan Jordan. She's an oncology nurse who suffered from pain for 12 years and tried many opioids without much relief pharmacogenetic testing made a noticeable difference in her pain and her ability to function. Then Dr. Anita Gupta, pain specialist and pharmacist from Drexel University College of Medicine, helps us understand the value of pharmacogenetic testing and its application for patients and healthcare providers.
1: Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, The Pain Community, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to PaulChristomD.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to PaulChristomD.com.
0: Mary Dugan Jordan has been a nurse since 1976. She's currently an oncology nurse navigator, specializing in breast and lung cancers at Drexel Cancer Care, Hahnemann University Hospital. Mary, welcome to Aches and Gains.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Tell us a little bit about your pain. Where is it?
2: Most of my pain was located in my lower back, and some of it radiated down my right leg. Mm -hmm. Recently, I have developed psoriatic arthritis. It predominantly is in my left second finger. It's... Is like triple in size, and I have decreased range of motion. I cannot bend my finger at all. Okay. And in my right third toe, because of that psoriatic arthritis, I ruptured a Baker's cyst that I had behind my left knee.
0: Wow, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, Mary, how long have you had pain? Probably
2: since a year after I had the mastectomy. Twelve
0: years. Well, wow, I mean that's that's quite some time. Patients tell me, and this is really underappreciated, I think, uh, that you know, chronic pain affects their life in ways they never ever imagined. I mean, professionally, uh, with respect to their family, their friends, and and things that they once did and can't do. H- has that happened to you?
2: There's a lot of things that I cannot do because of the pain. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things that um, limit my ability. In terms of walking distances, I can't ski anymore, hiking. When we went to Disney World, I felt like somebody was assigned to walk to, with me because I was usually about three you know, groups of people behind my family. Mm-hmm. I just can't keep up with um, people when they walk.
0: Right. Uh, Mary, how has it affected you professionally?
2: Well, I actually um, had to changed my job mm. I was the coordinator for the department of radiation oncology the nurse coordinator mm-hmm. and you would think that was a pretty cushy job but there was a lot of physical labor Yeah, with patients who were getting you know high dose radiation and blocks and things like that mm-hmm. a lot of moving around yeah it was too physical for me yeah
0: I mean I can understand why how has the pain affected your mood?
2: If I dwell on it a lot, I could become extremely sad about the losses.
0: Right. I mean, I have several patients who, who feel like pain has robbed them of their life. At the same time, how have you gotten past it?
2: For a while, I did see um, a psychologist who
0: helped a lot. They can be extremely helpful, especially if you integrate cognitive behavioral therapy into the psychological plan. Mary, has the pain invaded your sleep?
2: Yes. Actually every night it wakes me up from sleep. Mm. I, there's certain positions I can't sleep in mm-hmm. because of the pain. I really can't sleep on my back. Even with pillows under my knees. Like when I'm laying on my stomach, I have to have pillows under my knees. Well wow. every night I wake up and I take Benadryl
0: to help me sleep. Mm-hmm. And I take some of my other medications before I go to bed, so that helps. Well, I'm glad you found a combination of medications that help. Let's now talk about what you've done to ease the pain. H- have you had any surgeries, Mary? Well, the only thing I've had was a spinal cord stimulator. Oh, and how effective has that been for you? It has helped. I would say um, 25 to 40%. Well, that's good news. And are you using that for your back pain and shooting leg pain? Both. Both. Well, let's move now from the interventions, like uh, neuromodulation, to the medications. Which medicines have you tried?
2: I feel like I'm a walking pharmacy ad. (laughs) I have tried every single solitary medication. Wow. I was on huge doses of Lyrica. Mm -hmm. The commercial makes it sound like she takes one dose of Lyrica and she's like flumping around and jumping on the canoe and Uh stuff like that. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I would have missed a canoe by
0: 20 yards. <laughs> Did you have any side effects from those large doses of uh, Lyrica, also known as uh, pregabalin?
2: Yes. I was not in charge of my arms or legs at that time, I don't think. Wow. Especially in my hands. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I've had patients who report dizziness and uh, sometimes somnolence or even impaired coordination. I and Maybe you're talking about tremors, and I've seen that in some patients, too. On the other side of this break, we'll find out what else Mary has been taking for her pain. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains.
1: Aches and Gains is supported by Teva, the leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Health is a leading health solutions company that delivers accurate, timely, clinical, actionable information to inform the right treatment decisions for each patient at the right time. Millennium offers a comprehensive suite of services to better tailor patient care. More information is available at www.millenniumhealth.com.
0: Welcome back. Mary, talk to us more about other medications that you've taken for pain.
2: Zoloft, and I had tried um, codeine. I was on fentanyl patches. Mm -hmm. Percocet, which I am allergic to. Very high doses of hydrocodone. When I've been on hydrocodone, I felt like I was taking... And then I could take three and four of them to the point that I could become Tylenol toxic. Wow. with No problem whatsoever.
0: hmm All this, I was working full-time. Well, good for you because I think that it's difficult for patients who have chronic pain to continue working. Now, I want to mention that uh, you hydrocodone is a combined product, and the brand names for hydrocodone are things like Vicodin, Norco, and Lortab, and you mentioned that you might have been toxic on acetaminophen because these brands that I mentioned have combined hydrocodone and acetaminophen in them. So if, if the doses are too high, you could become acetaminophen toxic. It also sounds like you really didn't have much of a response to hydrocodone despite increasing doses of the drug. And I wonder whether you have any problems with the enzymes in the liver that metabolize hydrocodone or the drugs that metabolize anticonvulsants, for example, Lyrica, like you mentioned before. And Mary, have you tried any complementary or alternative medicine therapies? I mean, things like uh, physical therapy, acupuncture, or aqua therapy. I do aqua therapy once a week, some exercise with exercise group.
2: With arthritis. I think it's very helpful because it keeps my joints a little bit lubricated. It's the only thing that's available at the Y mm-hmm. during the hours that I have available. It is helpful to all the pain that I have.
0: Good. I'm very glad that you're doing that. Now, here's a controversial subject. I know that you're on short-acting morphine as well as long-acting morphine to control your pain with pretty good results. How do you feel about the fairly recent move on the part of the government to reduce the supply of opioids in order to reduce the number of deaths associated with opioid overdose. I
2: think they need to educate not only the physicians, but the public. Mm -hmm. You know, who's going to be the people that suffer? The people like me. Yeah. Because the people who are out to abuse the meds will find another way to do it. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what made you decide to undergo pharmacogenetic testing?
2: I had heard about it, and I talked to my friend, and she basically talked to Dr. Gupta about getting me in to see her. Mm-hmm. I explained to her what my situation was. My absolute total frustration yeah. with getting minimal to no pain relief or a not-lasting More than two hours.
0: Okay, and that was related to the Vicodin or the Hydrocodone that you were taking at that time, which was 20 milligrams every four hours, a fairly substantial dose. And it sounds like you just weren't getting effective relief, and it was causing some side effects. Now, how about the Lyrica? Weren't you having some struggles with the dosing of Lyrica as well? All I was doing was increasing my side effects. Well, okay, but you had the pharmacogenetic testing to figure all this out. And this testing focuses on a group of enzymes in the liver that are responsible for metabolizing 60 to 70% of all therapeutic medications that are used in humans. And this group of enzymes is called the cytochrome P450 system. We're testing for variations in the genes that code for the most clinically important enzymes to determine whether these genetic variations contribute to slower metabolism, or that is, breakdown of medications, or excessive metabolism of a particular medication. Mary, tell us how the test was performed. It was a spit test. Exactly. Uh, It's a pretty easy in-office, one-time mouth swab. Next time, we'll find out what the subtleties are of pharmacogenetic testing, what Mary's results were, and how they made a difference in her pain care. Mary, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Don't go away. Dr. Anita Gupta is up next. She's a pain specialist and pharmacist. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains.
1: Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain.
0: Dr. Anita Gupta is a pain specialist and pharmacist. She's the Vice Chair and Associate Professor in the Department of Anesthesiology at Drexel University College of Medicine. Dr. Gupta, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Give us an overview of pharmacogenetics. What is it?
3: Pharmacogenetics is a way that individuals metabolize their drugs, or, you know, how drugs are broken down mm-hmm. in an individual's body. Right. You know, as we all know as physicians, you know, there there's a lot of things that can affect how a drug works. And mm-hmm. one thing that's not well understood is how... Genetics can uh, affect how an individual responds to the drugs they're taking.
0: Very true. The way I think about it is that pharmacogenetics relates to the way genetic differences between people influence a person's response to drugs and how those drugs are processed in the body. So we're, we're focusing on genes that identify markers along the genome, which is the DNA, that affect things like drug metabolism, distribution, receptor targets, and and all the biological effects. Anita, there are large variations between people with respect to how they respond to pain relievers. For example, some patients will experience side effects, whereas others won't get adequate relief from the same dose of medication.
3: That's correct. And, you know, one size does not fit all. You know, when you talk about medication, everyone is... You know, very unique. Uh, They have complex genetic characteristics. Mm -hmm. Blockbuster drugs is usually developed for one size fits all, but that's not really um, how humans are built. We're all very different. We have variations, and, and how a body processes those drugs, you know, certainly can affect how, you know, the outcome and how effective they
0: are. Yes. I mean, and these differences can be due to what are called pharmacokinetic factors or pharmacodynamic factors. Give us insight into those terms.
3: Pharmacokinetics, essentially, is dynamics is essentially two ways to understand how a drug is broken down in the body Mm uh one is how your body responds you know to taking any medication Mm -hmm. and that's pharmacodynamics and pharmacokinetics is really how the drug is actually broken down chemically uh how your you know the drug responds in an individual's body so for example you know the rate of something, you know, being removed. You know, once you swallow a tablet, how long does it take to travel to through your intestinal system and and essentially be removed? That mm-hmm. would be considered pharmacokinetics. Okay. And you know how you respond to that? The kind of the results, like if you have taking a medication for pain, you know, are you getting improvement? That's usually how we refer to it as pharmacodynamic.
0: Okay, another way to think about this is that uh, the pharmacokinetics affect the way that drugs are broken down and eliminated through the body. And that influences a drug's dose as well as the concentration of that drug in the blood. The dynamic element of medications relate to the drug's target receptor, and how well the drug binds to the receptor. Think of a receptor as a lock and a drug as a key. Once you put the key in the lock and turn it, it opens up the door to allow signals... ...to be communicated to the cell that cause things like pain relief or, in other circumstances, uh, lowered blood pressure. So genes can affect both pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics. For pain medicines, we're concerned about genes that encode members of the cytochrome P450 family of enzymes. And we're really interested in the pharmacokinetics here... Dr. Gupta, why are these enzymes so important?
3: Cytochrome P450s are the category for proteins that we all have that are primarily in the liver. Mm -hmm. And what they do is basically help break down drugs. And there's many, many different types of cytochrome P450s. And that's essentially what the testing does. It it tells us what each of those proteins do, um, whether they're working the best, that they could, or if there's something abnormal. So, you know, these, these proteins play a critical role in breaking down molecules and drugs when you swallow it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if without them, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to metabolize a drug and you know, get at the effect that we're looking to have.
0: Right. And each person's cytochrome P450 enzyme profile is unique, which causes the individual variation that we see in the metabolism of medications. And it's these variations between people that may explain why a certain medicine is effective for one person and the same drug fails in another patient. Here's a term for you, polymorphic. Stay tuned because after the break... We'll find out what that means. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains.
1: Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, a global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Visit tamethepain.com to learn about treatment options for chronic pain. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on health care and on lives, reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. For cutting edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook.
0: Welcome back. There are more than 58 different cytochrome P450 genes. Most of them are polymorphic. Anita, what does that term mean?
3: Again, very important uh, concept of understanding polymorphism. So everyone has these proteins, right? Mm -hmm. Each of these proteins can vary. Variations that we see in those proteins... Person to person are called polymorphisms, and you know many of the tests that are now being used will identify those polymorphisms. There could be, for a particular protein, there could be hundreds of polymorphisms, mm-hmm. and, and this is something that can complicate the results and the interpretation. But certainly is not something that cannot be overcome. I mean, you know, the the tests are getting more sophisticated and identifying those polymorphisms, and you know, with a skilled uh, physician or someone that is experienced in looking at the results, it it certainly could make
0: a big difference. And what's incredible is, well, let's, for example, take cytochrome 2D6. That has 90 different variations. In other words, there are 90 different types of that one enzyme.
3: That's right. This exact one is one of the ones that is involved in uh, opioid metabolism. Mm-hmm. And we know that if there is certain polymorphisms of the hundreds that there are, that those could indicate potential adverse events or inefficacy or in lack of benefit from the drug they're taking.
0: Exactly. And broadly speaking, these polymorphisms lead to four different types of metabolizing enzymes. Let's go through each one. The first one is ultra-rapid metabolizers, followed by extensive or normal metabolizers, intermediate metabolizers, and then poor metabolizers.
3: So basically when, you know, an individual gets the test done, I mean, there's there's basically several categories that, you know, could come out for each of these proteins. And, and, you know, you could be a normal metabolizer where your body's doing what it's supposed to. You could be intermediate, which means that you have reduced enzyme activity, mm-hmm. meaning that you don't have enough of the used cytochrome P450s. You could be a poor metabolizer, which means that you're not really having any enzyme activity. Right. Or you could be ultra-rapid metabolizer, which means that you have... Significantly increased enzyme activity. So, depending upon the particular drug that you're looking at analyzing or looking at how you're responding, Mm -hmm. each drug could fall in one of these categories. Right. And most commonly, you know, the best thing is to see that you're an extensive normal metabolizer. That means that, you know, your body's metabolizing the drug the way it should. If you fall in any of the other categories, there's need for more discussion and investigation on whether those results will impact the drugs that you're taking.
0: Now, let's examine examine this even more closely. The expression of these genes can vary. For example, cytochrome 2D6 has been well studied. It's responsible for metabolizing 20% of all drugs and many that we use in managing pain like codeine and the antidepressant called nortriptyline. 2D6 expression is absent in 7% of Caucasians and African Americans. So if you're one of those people, then how would that change which drugs are prescribed for your pain?
3: It's an excellent point again. uh, You know, this is a great uh, segue into the example of codeine. Mm-hmm. Codeine is one of the most commonly prescribed pain medications in the United States. Right. If you you know look at individuals who are taking that medication, and if they were to come to my office and say, "Well, look, doctor, you know, I've been taking this for years, and it's not doing what it's supposed to do," mm-hmm. well, there's a high suspicion there that there could be something going on in a metabolic perspective, mm-hmm. and you know, we could certainly do the pharmacogenetic testing to confirm that.
0: That's right. And let me add that codeine is considered a prodrug, which means that its pain-relieving effects don't occur until the drug is metabolized by cytochrome 2D6. To what? Morphine, actually. So, if you're a poor metabolizer based on pharmacogenetic testing of cytochrome 2D6, then you would have no pain relief from codeine.
3: Correct. And that that would be a situation where you would take them off,
0: Mm -hmm.
3: or rotate them onto something that was more favorable based upon their genetic profile.
0: Exactly. Now, on the other hand, if you're an ultra-rapid metabolizer, then you'll have higher-than-expected morphine levels, which would be great in terms of pain relief, but you could overdose.
3: This test takes that question out completely because now Mm -hmm. we can preemptively tell what drugs are effective and we can, before we give the patient the drug, say, well, you know what? Codeine is not a very good choice for you.
0: And that's a great improvement over the current methods of trial and error. There's much more to come on part two of the show when we'll find out when to test, how to test, and some of the limitations of the test. And Dr. Gupta, it was a pleasure having you on the show today.
1: Thank you very much, Paul. It's
0: a pleasure. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Games.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.